are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locks on Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locks on Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to the wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we got a whole bunch I want to talk about to you today. I want to talk about with you today, I should say. Uh, we're going to be talking about this crazy article that AZ Snake Pit did. We're going to talk about how the D-backs fared last year in close games in the first five innings. So we'll talk about that article. Talk about Matt Peacock being brought up. And also want to talk about the MLB All-Star Game getting moved from Atlanta. I'll give my thoughts on that. And then I'm going to wrap up the pod with the final discussion I had with Javi Reyes to talk a little bit about uh, Denelson Lamette's injury. So it's a jam-packed pod today. But first, I want to talk to you about rockauto.com because this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them lots on sent you. Now, let's jump right into it and let's discuss first the Matt Peacock uh, call-up because I think this was pretty surprising. Joaquin Soria placed on the injured list, strained calf in his left leg. And, you know, we might have expected a different pitcher. I, I think a lot of us all wish J.B. Braskakis would get called up. We saw the amazing spring training he had. But, again, it, it seems like with that major league service time, he probably won't be called up for at least another few weeks at best. So uh, we'll see what happens with J.B. Braskakis if he ever gets called up. But, Instead, to replace him, they called up Matt Peacock, who is regarded as the 32nd best prospect in the D-backs farm system, according to fan graphs. And there's not really a whole lot of information on Matt Peacock. You could go uh, read his scouting report uh, online by AZ Snake Pit. Uh, they did a little, uh, they had a blurb about his scouting report. I'm not going to read it to you, but he had a pretty interesting, uh, basically, journey to the major leagues because... He only had one college scholarship offer out of high school. He quit baseball in college to work at his family sawmill installation company. Now he's in the big leagues. So it was a pretty crazy ride for Matt Peacock. I'm not going into a, a bunch of uh, analytic things about him. I'm not going to talk about his game or really much like that. I just wanted to kind of bring it up and mention it because I, I found it kind of interesting because he was a guy I honestly just never heard of and. And see him get the call up. I, I was already surprised the other day when I saw Geraldo Perdomo getting called up. I didn't think he was, you know, he's 21 years old, so I didn't think he was going to be called up anytime soon. I thought he was still pretty raw. He's got a lot of tools, but I, I thought he just wasn't ready. And defensively, I mean, I might be wrong on that, uh, wrong on that end because that dude is ready defensively. He's already looking like an elite defensive player with Nick Ahmed, potentially not the same defensive player as he already was. So I want to see what Matt Peacock can do. He seems like he could be a pretty good reliever right now with potential starter 
possibilities down the line. So we'll just have to wait and see on Matt Peacock. I need to see him in game action before I give my thoughts really on Matt Peacock. We only got the minor leagues to go off of, but good for the kid to make it up to the big leagues. Still only 26 years old. So I'm interested, I'm interested to see what he has, but let's talk about this AZ Snake Pit article where it talks about the D-backs in close games the last season of the 2021 season. And they're basically doing it by looking at innings one through five. Uh, you can do this by looking at Baseball Savant, StatCast. It's a great website. We could go filter a whole bunch of crazy stats on that website. If you're really into the advanced analytics, it's something I've really tried to get more into uh, as I've done this pod over the last year because I know so many baseball fans are just nerds when it comes to math, and I'm not really that way. I care more about uh, a lot of the traditional stats, so I'm trying to go a little bit deeper for you guys, do more research, and so Baseball Savant's a, a page I've been looking at, but AZ Snake Pit uses it here to do this little model, basically this projection of how D-backs pitchers fared in the first five innings last season. And to do that, they looked at the reduced impact of uh, luck on balls when they are in play. They want to really measure the emphasis on quality of contact. And they did that by looking at a variety of different things from exit velocity to launch angle and a couple other things. So it's really about the quality of contact and some of the stats that go behind that expected batting average, expected OBP, uh, expecting uh, expected slugging percentage. So when you actually look at the numbers, you would actually be surprised because I was surprised when I saw these numbers that AZ Snake Pit pulled. When the games mattered the most in close games in the first five innings, the D-backs were better than league average in preventing hits and preventing batters from getting on base. The D-backs had an expected batting average of 234, which is better than the MLB expected batting average of 247, and expected OBP of just 300 compared to the MLB average of 314. So D-backs surprisingly in close games were better than you would have thought uh, in terms of giving up hits in terms of not allowing runs uh, or not allowing uh, runners to get on base the D-backs were actually better than you might have thought now the thing that I think is flawed with these stats that AZ Snake Pit did not to poo-poo on their parade uh, not to poo-poo on their parade I guess is the the old cliche because uh, the problem I have is they just weren't in a lot of close games last year because they just put themselves in too early of a hole. You can look at their their you know these numbers through their first five innings, but the reality is the D-backs weren't in a lot of close games in the first five innings because the D-backs ERA in the first inning last year of 2020 was 6-1-5. In innings two and three, it was sub four. But in inning one, it was a 6-1-5. They would come out the gates and give up three earned runs immediately. How many games did you see with Madison Bumgarner, Robbie Ray, where they would give up two home runs in the first inning? They would walk a couple batters and then give up a double, give up another double. How many times did you even see a D-backs pitcher make it to the fifth inning? It, you know, we, we felt like we had a good start when Madison Bumgarner completed five innings of work last season. So to look at D-backs pitchers through the first five innings last year of close games, there just wasn't very many, honestly. So I, I think it's a little bit of a flawed statistic. I, I think it's a pretty small sample size when you're looking at this because the D-backs were just so bad last year and they were particularly bad uh, early in games. And we know the offense wasn't particularly effective either last year so d-backs were going early holes and it wasn't like the offense was carrying them out of the holes it would be different you know it wouldn't be close games if the offense or excuse me if the pitching was giving up three or four 
earned runs in the first three innings, but then the offense would come back and score three or four themselves. But that's not normally what happened. A lot of times, D-backs would go down in an early hole, and they would be climbing back the whole game and usually never come back in the game. And it would just be another D-backs loss where we said awful pitching, awful awful hitting, like what we're seeing this season where the D-backs really struggle to pitch deep into games outside outside of Taylor Widener. Or the D-backs really struggle to hit with runners in scoring position. So that's probably my biggest flaw with this stat. Uh, I, I think it's just too small of a sample size that they're probably looking at. Because D-backs might have been good in close games in the first five innings. But I, I, I find it hard to believe that there were many close games that the D-backs were in last year in the first five innings of the ball game. Now... We'll get into a conversation about the MLB moving the All-Star game from Atlanta. But first, I want to talk to you guys about rockauto.com because with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts your car will ever need in a traditional chain store front. Rockout.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to rockout.com to shop for auto and body parts from 100 to manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tan lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockout.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-yourselfers. Go to rockout.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Piskowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it and let's discuss the MLB moving the All-Star game from Atlanta because this was controversial for a lot of people. It was sports interfering with politics once again for a lot of people and I got to be frank with you guys. I don't feel that way. I feel like this is not a political issue and I feel like we've seen this before in sports. Yes, we're seeing a lot more recently, but let's not forget in the 90s when the Arizona Cardinals didn't want to recognize Martin Luther King Day as a national holiday, the Super Bowl decided to to take the to take the the opportunity away from the Cardinals, take the event away from Arizona until they uh, recognize Martin Luther King as a national holiday. So we've seen this before in sports, and I think uh, you know I praise the MLB for doing this. Now uh, maybe uh, the new voting laws aren't crazy. Uh, you know, aren't, aren't as crazy as we as we might make it out to seem. Uh, maybe it shouldn't have warranted this, but I'm not against the MLB moving the MLB All-Star game out of Atlanta because of the new voting laws. Because I'll just quickly mention a few of the new laws that Georgia has passed. Georgia has cut by more than half the period during which voters may request an absentee ballot from nearly six months before an election to less than three. This would put a greater strain on local election boards, which will have less time to process ballot requests. Uh, Previously, Georgia law required voters simply sign their absentee ballot application. So uh, all you had to do was sign your absentee ballot. But now you have to provide the number from a driver's license or provide some kind of identification, which is probably not 
not the worst thing in the world uh, because we know a lot of absentee ballots might just go uh, to, you know, people who previously lived at a place, maybe even, uh, you know, dead relatives possibly. So I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, but it does have a negative effect on minority people because statistics do show stringent voter ID laws in other states have depressed voting mostly among people of color. So hopefully, uh, I'm hoping this doesn't, you know, disproportionately affect uh, voters of color. Uh, even those stats might say so. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't happen because I think it could actually be uh, a benefit for, you know, if you do want to make sure you have voter integrity. Uh, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have IDs, but I don't like how it does negatively affect people of color. Uh, before everyone got an absentee ballot uh, voted to them, or not voted to them, absentee ballot mailed to them, but now uh, you, you, it's illegal to do so. You have to request an absentee ballot. And also, now, uh, one of the other things, one that, you know, the biggest hot button issues in the new voting laws for Georgia is uh, it effectively bars third-party groups or anyone else who is not an election worker from from providing food and water to voters waiting in line. So now you could possibly get charged with a misdemeanor if you want to give out food and water in line if you're not, you know, an elected official. And during the primary election last June, when temperatures hovered above 80 degrees with high humidity, uh, with high humidity multiple voting locations across the state had lines in which voters waited more than two hours. So uh, just think about that now. Uh, you know, an election worker has to give you water. Uh, well, they don't even have to give you water. But if you want water, it has to be given to you from an election worker who are not forced to set up water stations or anything like that. So that's probably the craziest thing, honestly, in this whole thing, that now it's illegal to give out water to people on 90 degree days with high humidity. Uh, you could be charged with a misdemeanor. So I think that's probably the craziest thing in this. So, uh, you know, a lot of these things are going to, you know, disproportionately uh, affect black voters and people and people uh, of color in, in poorer areas. I don't think that was possibly the intent of the voters. I think they cared more about just getting more uh, Republican voters or more voters on the on their side uh, in these elections as opposed to actually uh, holding down black voters. But you can't say that the reality of the situation is uh, these new laws, these new laws will disproportionately affect people of color. So if MLB wants to move to the game from Atlanta because of it, I'm perfectly fine with it. I, I'm always fine with sports taking a stand because I, I think it's the right thing to do. We've seen it, you know, across all the sports in this last year with the social justice movements, Black Lives Matter. Now we see, uh, you know, a, a lot of the Asian community getting more attention because of the crimes that have been coming their way recently and historically as well. So I'm all for it for making a, a message uh, for for, stay, uh, for taking a stand because I think stuff is like that. I, I think stuff like that's important because, you know, sports is a huge platform. You do have millions of eyeballs on you and there's a lot of money on the line. So when a lot of money's on the line, things will get done. But my biggest issue is probably... MLB not moving it from Atlanta, but moving it to the new location of Denver because Atlanta was a population that was about half black and moving it to a place like uh, Colorado, which is not predominantly black. It's very, very predominantly white there, uh, which is not really an issue for me. But if you're doing this to help people of color, uh, moving it from Atlanta to so the laws get changed to help people of color. It would be cool to see the All-Star Game move to another city that is predominantly people of color to help out the economic situation there because everyone's complaining now that you're taking the you know, MLB All-Star Game away 
from a place that was predominantly people of color. Now they're not getting that business. So if they could have moved the MLB All-Star game to a city that has predominantly people of color or, you know, has a larger section of their population uh, as people of color that's, you know, above the average in the U.S., then I think that would have been very impactful. That would have kind of stayed consistent with their overall message. And just overall, why give the game to the Colorado Rockies when they're just practicing, you know, they're, they're partaking in organizational male practice right now by trading Nolan Arenado and just doing everything you're not supposed to be doing as an organization, uh, especially a professional organization when it comes to handling your stars so I applaud MLB for taking a stand and moving the MLB All-Star game from the city of Atlanta. I just wish they would have chose a better organization and a better state than Colorado to move the All-Star game to. Now we'll play the last snippet of my conversation with Javi Reyes, host of Lockdown Padres, but first I want to talk to you guys about BetOnline because BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKDOWN. Be a waiver wire winner with the Locked On Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Follow Locked On Fantasy Baseball on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into that conversation with Javi Reyes. The next thing I want to ask about you and your rotation. Ooh, another question. Okay. Yeah, I got a whole bunch for you today, Javi. All right, I got uh, one more for you, and you have like seven. <laughs> okay, no, I actually just got like one more after this. But, okay. <laughs> but talking about Zach Allen, we know about his injury, and we mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen with him. But looking, you know, doing some research before this pod, I didn't even realize Denelson Lament was also hurt, and it seems like he's coming back now, trying to build up that arm strength. So what do you know about his injury? And it doesn't sound like he's going to be ready for the start of opening day. So what are just your overall thoughts on that? Denelson Lamette is one of the more unfortunate things that happened for the Padres. I mean, I famously talked about, like, this is ridiculous. They lost both Clevenger and Lamette and all the Dodgers fans. Oh, we totally wiped you guys out. I'm like, all right, cool. How about next time we take away Walker Buehler and Clinton Kershaw? All right. How about we do that? And then we keep our guys and then you can keep talking shit. Anyway, um, sorry. It's just the, pod, the Dodgers fans can be <laughs> annoying sometimes. They, they act like, and I got roasted by the Dodgers fans for this, but I don't really think it was that dub of a tweet. They really like to act like that they aren't known pre 2020 primarily for having very tragic playoff losses. That's what you guys are primarily known for. And Clayton Kershaw being a hall of famer. Like, I'm just saying, are you guys a great team? And should I completely crap on you guys? No, but don't act like you've been the sigil of breakthrough and success. Like you've been great, but you've also lost to, you lost to Howie Kendrick, man, like chill out. So that's my, my reasoning on that. But with Lamette, uh, back to the, the question. <laughs> so they're optimistic. Apparently, they're they're very optimistic. He had his first um, 
a week ago from today when people are listening to this, he had his first spring training start. He only went in and gave in, gave up a home run to Donovan Silvano of the Giants. Um, just one hit. It was fine. But he was throwing hard, which was very good to see. If I started seeing that he was only throwing 93, 94, might have been a little bit concerned. I think the thing with him is going to be, and they have the privilege of this because of their rotation, it's going to be an innings limit type of thing this year. I don't think he'll be in the opening series. I actually think they're going to kind of keep him back for a little bit. I'm actually expecting that, especially since he's a guy who throws hard and where his injury is, he throws hard and he throws sliders. So I think that that is, um, this isn't like a Zach Davies guy who doesn't throw particularly hard or throw sliders. So an injury for him is a little bit different. For example, I know Davies is on the Cubs right now, but hear me out. So for him, I think he's one guy that he's there for the long haul. He's there for hopefully when the Padres make a postseason run and they're going to throw back at those annoying ass Dodgers and be like, yeah, guess what? Now we have Darvish, Snell, Danelson, the Met and Joe Busgrove. So have fun with that. You know, you little assholes, you know, (laughs) acting like you totally owned us in the postseason. No, you didn't relax. Although that Bellinger catch was freaking phenomenal. I will give him that. Um, So from that perspective, yeah. I mean, there's optimism, but I definitely think if you're drafting him in fantasy this year, be a little bit careful and expect that there are going to be times when he's going to be left out of his next start because they want to make sure that he's all healthy and stuff, which is what they should be doing. They don't need him to start, which is a crazy thing to say for any Padres team. Man, 93 to 94. I yearn for the days where Madison Bumgarner could throw that hard, honestly. that <laughs> That's peak Madison Bumgarner right there. And you know, back on real quick, the the Dodgers thing, uh, you know, let, let's not act like, you know, their playoff struggles, you know, uh, went away once the, the fans went away as well. You know, uh, mm-hmm. let's not let, let's not forget that, because I, I totally believe the Clay and Kershaw playoff struggles would have still been there if it was that pressurized environment Ooh. like we've been seeing, honestly. Ooh. So that's why there I told it is. The, there's I, the spice. <laughs> I knew Miller had the spice coming in. I knew uh, it. it was building up. All right. There you go. That's why I told the <laughs> lockdown. Yeah, that's why I told the lockdown <laughs> Dodgers guys, Vince. Some pair, I said, Hey, hey, if Kershaw, you know, if it was that playoff environment, hey, I don't know if we would have seen, uh, oh, you know, little, the good. I would have loved to hear Jeff's reaction to that. <laughs> yeah, because Jeff is I, a villain. the track rack, the track record, it, it speaks for itself, honestly. We've seen it with Clint Kershaw in his playoff struggles, but we're getting, you know, close to an hour here on the pod. So I want to wrap up the conversation, <laughs> Javi. Uh, do you think the Padres have done enough to overtake the Dodgers in the division? What are your expectations for the team? I mean, that's the thing. I, I'm expecting like a 94, 95 win season. We'll have to see. I, I want to be cautiously optimistic because the Dodgers really are stacked and a lot of things would have to go wrong for them. But I don't think it's impossible. I don't. It's especially not impossible in the playoffs like we just talked about. But for now, we'll have to see. For me, biggest things are can Paddock and Musgrove be the most overqualified back on the back end of the rotation guys if those guys perform like guys who could be one or two starters type on other teams who don't have as many good pitchers for example on the Diamondbacks without Gallon, are they are they going to be that good and I'm optimistic that Paddock can bounce back I was really hard on him last year because I think not enough people were being hard on him he's getting lit up by the Cardinals of all teams who hit maybe a combined 30 home runs a year um they do not have power guys and he gave up six runs to them in the playoffs and that was concerning but I'm optimistic about him and Musgrove curveball usage some of the advanced metrics really like him so i'm optimistic about him um part of me wanted to be really spicy and say he'll be the second best pitcher on the Padres this year but i didn't Mm. quite go there i didn't quite go there hopefully by the time this episode drops you guys saw my actual real bold prediction video over at locked on mlb uh pods like the twitter feed and all that um so i'm expecting them to be good but i think it's if they're at back end of the rotation can be really deep and really good and if their guys can bounce back and just do the same thing as last year 
on paper, I really think that they're kind of almost just as good as the Dodgers in a lot of ways, especially with just their top players, their starting players. I really think that they're just as good. We're going to have to see. Um, and I just want to ask you one quick question since I feel <laughs> like you've been hogging up the spotlight with asking all the questions. Um, one last thing for you, you know, with the Diamondbacks in the farm system, I just, you know, have the pulled up the top 100 prospects. It's basically all offensive players. So I'm yeah. wondering out of all of them, Corbin Carroll, Christian Robinson, Geraldo Perdomo, Alex um, Thomas, which one do you think can make an impact this year, if any? Um, kind of for the D-backs. Yeah, I'm not sure if any of the guys you just mentioned would make a major impact for the D-backs this season, honestly, because all of them, all the reports are saying they're probably, you know, a season or more away. Maybe Corbin Carroll's the closest one because he is the highest rated prospect of the of the five, but I would actually probably look at some of the other players that they have in the minor leagues, like a Dalton Varsho, who I guess hmm. is still considered a prospect. But if Carson Kelly does struggle, or even if the team overall struggles, they could get rid of Steven Vogt, uh, a veteran catcher, and move Dalton Varsho up to the big leagues and just do like a platoon situation with both Kelly and Dalton, uh, and Dalton Varsho. A guy like J.B. Braskakis, I think you really have to watch out for. He was okay. dominant this spring training. He was acquired in that Zach Ranke trade, one of their top five prospects in that deal. And everyone thought he was going to make the major league roster that those were the reports before spring training we were surprised to see him be one of the roster cuts we all think it's because of major league service time i mean you really can't hide it so i think you're going to see him uh this season whether the d-backs are struggling or not because i i think he's a really good pitcher and i think he's going to be a major dude in the back end of the bullpen and then one other guy who's not a prospect but who's still very young is josh rojas who has been destroying pitching this spring training i think i have to look at the numbers but he's like top two in hits this spring training also acquired in that zach ranky trade so right now i don't think any of the top five uh top five prospects are really gonna make a major impact this season maybe a corbin carroll but a lot of them are still pretty young i still think they're a couple seasons away i'll look at some of the more other young players that they have in a varsho briskakis or a josh rojas to make a major impact this season that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. And as always, follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account at Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. We'll recap Luke Weaver's start tomorrow on tomorrow's pod. And of course, talk about a bunch of other things. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!